Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. On today's episode of After the Snap, we will be interviewing Gary Sheffield Jr., host of Chef Talk, covering all things New York Yankees. We'll be talking with him about the Yankees, the state of umpiring across Major League Baseball, and more. It's time for After the Snap. Let's go. Every snap is an interview. After the Snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50. I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit of teeth because you got thick skin. So, Reed, coming out of Memorial Day weekend, we had a blast in Houston, Texas. Yes, we did. Grilled lots of meats. Really enjoyed going over to RJ's and having the steak and the chicken and the sausage and the, all the fixins under the sun that he grilled for us. And then on Memorial Day, you and I prepared probably the best brisket burger I've ever tasted. I hope that you would say the same because even your wife told you it was the best one she's ever had. That was a, a lot of fun. Yes. And B, I have to agree. It was, it was a great time. Great burger. Erica was impressed. If you had to change one thing about grilling this past weekend, what would it be? That's actually a great question. That is a great question. I probably would have added, I probably would have shifted to do uh, grilling on Saturday. So that we would, I could have maybe done something overnight on Friday. I, I haven't done a brisket in a long time, and I thought that I maybe had wanted to do a brisket um, this weekend, but uh, just the timing didn't work out. So, gotcha. That, you know, if I could do it all over again, probably would have planned. You would have do done something else. Um, Not, I would have done burger too. Okay, gotcha. burger, burger, but I would have also done brisket. On, on top of that. So, gotcha. uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. Burger was, burger was, was bomb. I, I need to, I need to hire, to hire you as my full-time, uh, social media, social manager. media manager because you got a great, uh, Dude, ton, of, you, ton of great feedback on the, on the grills mafia. You videos. weren't supposed to, you weren't supposed to tell people that I was assisting in grills mafia production. Well, who, I mean, as your source for all things grilling and right. Buffalo Bills. That's right. Dude, I can't be tagged on that. Well, I told you that you could I was start- afraid to follow myself from the Instagram account. I gave you a free business idea. We're doing we're we're we've got some bourbon stuff in the works. Okay. You already know okay. that. Okay. So you gr- so that. you're telling me grills and gills is out? Dude, grills and gills is out. Mainly because dolphins don't have gills. <laughs> Well, buffaloes not- don't flip spatulas, flip burgers with a spatula, and, and we have a shirt of one doing it. So I don't think that there's if a you, way if that you, you can ride dolphins 
and grilling. Anything is possible. Because they have blowholes. Kevingarnett.gif. Anything is possible. If you made a shirt, grills and gills, and you put a dolphin on there with three get gills. laughed out of Miami. No. Half the people that saw it would have no idea. They'd be like, wow, that is genius. It's true. Who knows? It's true. I really enjoyed the I would have said it's genius because clearly I didn't know the dolphins didn't have gills. They I have wouldn't have recommended a blowhole. They are mammals. Don't <laughs> breathe with gills. I wouldn't have recommended it if I knew they didn't have gills. That's the point. Who cares? Did you pass fourth grade science? Coming up after this, we've got an interview. We've got an interview with Gary Sheffield Jr. We are jumping right into it. The only topic that we were going to cover outside of Memorial Day weekend was the Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson debacle. That was the only other topic we had. We're jumping straight into that in the interview. Check it out right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. On the pod this week, we have Gary Sheffield Jr. Gary hosts Chef Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. He also writes for Outkick as well as FoxBusiness.com. He is the son of MLB legend Gary Sheffield. Gary, this is one of the podcasts that we've been looking forward to for a long, long time. Know you're obviously a big Yankees follower. Reed being a huge Yankee fan, he's got his blue and white on as we speak. Me being an equally as huge Red Sox fan, we're pumped to have you on, man. Yeah, I just think it's so ironic. I mean, you're a Red Sox fan. You were talking to me about a little league field, and then you guys have a a wall that's 45 feet high. And this is a great he's, start. He is ready to jump in. This he, is a great start. He came ready for the smoke. We will get to. Fenway Park, as well as the short porch here shortly. But first, as we're all AL East fans here, how do you feel about the state of the AL East right now and going into the summer stretch? I love it because right now for the Yankees, we are, I mean, we're head and shoulders better than every other team in the division, but we have clear flaws. Like Joey Gallo is a black hole offensively. The dude's doing nothing. I mean, he's just bad. And he's not good at much. And Aaron Hicks is like a golfer who tells you that he can't he can't hit the ball off the tee. He's got no short game. He can't putt. That's Aaron Hicks right now. And and I'm I'm a big golfer. And you've got to be able to be good at something. Hicks, and Hicks is a big golfer too, isn't he? Huge golfer. Dude's monstrous off the tee. Love watching him golf. But for my favorite team, for you to hit 200, you don't walk. You don't have a cannon in the outfield. You don't, you don't have blazing speed. Like the Yankees have clear ways to get better and we can actually even separate ourselves even further. So I hope we do that. Do you think that his seven for 70 contract he signed a few years ago before he got hurt? Is that good value right now or not? It's, is it, is, is he performing 
about what you would expect from a $10 million center fielder in today's market? He's not producing up to the standard of a starter in Major I don't, League Baseball. I, I, I agree. To, regardless. Agree yeah, regardless of that seven-year seven 70, the only people who really should care about that number is the ownership because they're the ones who are writing that check. But when a guy is hitting 200, he's not particularly considered a contact bat anymore. He doesn't have poppy as two extra base hits all season. He's not stealing bases. He doesn't get on base. He's not playing great defense. When you're bad at that many things, I can just list them off. You probably shouldn't be on the team. And regardless of what you're making, it's not good value. I I, I think we can both agree, though, that he's probably a step up from Jacoby Ellsbury. I agree with you there. <laughs> Jacoby Ellsbury used to get on base with catcher's interference, and that was about it. But that's, Aaron yeah, I was about to say, like, that, that, that was his, the one perk of Jacoby Ellsbury. He was a lot better on the Red Sox than he was for the Yankees. When, well, when he was actually dressed for the Yankees. I, we need a, a pulse on Jacoby Ellsbury. Is he even alive anymore? I've heard. I mean, of course. I've seen a picture a of the guy in seven years. No, he could look like Andrew Luck right now, for all I know. That's we, need a, we need a where are they now for yeah. Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> yeah, oh he, he started a fruit stand in Nicaragua or something. Yeah. We, we don't <laughs> oh know my, where he's at. But the thing about Jacoby. Yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury, he didn't even use our trainer. Like, the guy had his own training staff. Like, he was literally on his own thing. And you guys as athletes, I played at the college level. You don't – if you're not doing something successfully, like you're not one of the best players on the team, you don't get your own trainer. You're not Tom Brady, and, and that's just the way it is. That's right. Um, let's talk Judge for a few minutes. I know, obviously, he's right in the midst of the MVP race this year. Obviously, decided to bet on himself turned down the 230 mil extension the Yankees offered him um, during spring training. 309 average, 18 homers, uh, 669 slugging. Very nice. Uh, Where do you see his future headed as of right now, kind of putting the MVP race to the side? Where do do you see the Yankees going with him if they are going to go after him uh, when the season ends? Well, Aaron Judge's agent's in a great spot right now. I mean – couldn't the be Yankees better. Ha- it could be. Yeah. And you cannot argue. There's no other alternative for the New York Yankees right now. There's no other guy who's going to reproduce what Aaron Judge can go get. And I know people have thrown out the names of Juan Soto. Juan Soto is going to take a King's ransom. It's going to take your entire farm system to go get that guy. Plus, it's a Scott Boris client, which Aaron Judge is not. Scott Boris clients are going to ask you for the absolute top dollar. There are no discounts, which the Yankees are currently asking for with Aaron Judge. That's probably not coming. Are the Yankees potentially going to get a discount with Aaron Judge? I think they are personally. I do think they're going to get a discount. I still think he's returning. But this idea that he's coming back on some team-friendly $220 million deal, it's not happening. He's still going to be wealthy, beyond beyond belief, making, in my estimation, probably a seven- or eight-year deal at like 290. That's a lot of money. Like That's not really a discount, but in the open market where the Angels and Steve Cohen's Mets – are involved, those teams might be offering north of 300 million to a dude who's on the other side of 30. So, yeah, I, I do think the way Aaron Judge is playing, the Yankees just have like no choice at all. You have to pay him. You just have to do it. Well, so my follow up question is: They traded for Stanton, obviously a couple, you know, handful of years ago. He was on his 10 for 325 deal. He was only a couple of years into that. Right. I'm surprised to hear you say an eight or nine for like just short of 300 that seems that seems like it's not far off 
from what they offered him uh, in spring training. It seems like to beat their prior offer based on his play thus far this year, if he continues at this rate and wins the MVP, wins the AL MVP and maybe takes them on to some postseason success, it's hard for me to believe they they would stay under under 300. And that's the thing is some players are $300 million guys and you say, well, you look at one contract to the next, like Bryce Harper is a perfect example. And you look at the big number, and this is something that owners, and you guys know as professional athletes, they like to throw out the final number and yep. then compare those players. Well, this guy's a $330 million guy. That guy got 260. The years really do matter. And Aaron Judge's age is going to be a factor. He's going to be 31. He's not going to get a 12-year deal. And that's the reason that Bryce Harper, who's making $25 million a year, can look at the end of his contract and say, I got $330 million. And it looks like a big number. It looked like the biggest contract in baseball history. And while that's true, per year, you're not. So the Yankees are having to look at this and saying, the most we'll go is we'll bring you to a contract till you're 40. And a contract till you're 40 paying you about 35 a year pays you like 280. So to go into the 300 range at age 40, Aaron Judge, that means 40-year-old Aaron Judge would be making like $43 million a year. That's a lot of money. And will the Yankees do that? I don't know. But that's why I didn't go into that $300 million range. It's going to hover around there. But once you start going north into the Bryce Harper total money range, I mean, you're talking $40 million a year. And that's steep for anybody. All the PR departments want to announce the the big final numbers. It's, it's the same way with NFL free agency. Every you know, everybody signs the six year eighty million dollars, but you're only going to see three or four years of it. Right, right. It's and it's and it's it could you know potentially backloaded contract. It's it's gonna it's hard. It, it's uh, I I I do agree with you. Um, it's hard for me to believe that the that the agent side or the Yankee side. The, the, the PR just looks better when a guy across, across the, you know, down the street for the Mets in Lindor just signed north of 300. I know he's younger. Right. But the optics of it, the optics matter, you know, like you just mentioned, the, the three, the three number makes a, makes a difference in my opinion. People are going to look at Lindor like he has more pressure just because of that three. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and that's the way it is. And you guys are in the NFL. So it's like, People look at that big number, but in the NFL, the only number that players care about is guaranteed money. Guaranteed money is the thing that matters to players because NFL guys understand I could be done on any given snap. It could, it can happen anytime. And that's the way the game's played. So, but baseball is guaranteed money and major league baseball players look at it and say, how much do I make annually? That's the way that they look at their contracts. They want to make it as long as possible, but Bryce Harper did give the Phillies a discount. It looked like it looked like 330 million, like he, the guy just cashed out, but he went 12 and 13 years. So that really stretches that money. And that's what Definitely. I'm sure the Yankees were hoping to do. But when you have a 31 year old player, you're not stretching anything. Like it, he, he's going to get you. Gary, you were very vocal and very critical of the Yankees in the offseason when it came to free agency. Trevor Story came and went to the Red Sox. They missed out on some of the top available free agents. Correa. You, you were Correa. You were pretty critical of, of Cashman and, and the rest of the, the front office for the Yankees. 
Do you still feel the same way with the Yankees sitting at number one in the AL East right now? I feel like the moves that I asked them to make, and when I said that they should sign Carlos Correa, I meant that. I still mean it. I would love, and people told me, well, we're not a Carlos Correa away from being a World Series team. Well, how does it look now? Now that everything's bounced the way the Yankees wanted it to, they got they got Nestor Cortez to really fill in exactly to the guy that they wanted him to be. Jameson Talon stepped up. Garrett Coles rebounded from his slow start without spider tack. And now you're looking at it and you're saying, well, what if the Yankees had Trevor Story, the Trevor Story that you watched just torch all this past month, six or seven bombs. What if he was doing that at Yankee Stadium right now? How would the Yankees look? What would their lead look like? And I have to give Brian Cashman credit. I have to give this entire staff credit. They've made they've made really a lot of headway with doing less. Like they really didn't make too many moves this offseason. And I was disappointed by that. I'll be vocal with it, but I will raise my hand and say, you guys did hit the nail on the head with some of these pickups. Isaiah Connor Falefa's done a job. Like he's played really well defensively. And Glaber Torres has rebounded. He's played well. And he has another two hits today. So I think he, yeah, I think he went deep or hit a triple, something like that. And I have to give people credit. I'm not just going to make predictions in the offseason and then pretend I'm never wrong. I have to be able to put my hand up, say that I have to be able to also say that I'm right. Trevor Story is looking like it would have been a nice pickup. The way that that's looking, Carlos Correa swinging a hot bat. And I have to give credit, but at the same time, I have to realize, well, what if we did make one or two of these moves? Where would we be? You have to credit the organization also on the pitching side because they brought in Jamison last year. Nestor obviously wasn't what we've seen this year, last year, you know, kind of, kind of top to bottom. The bullpen this year has been amazing. You know, they hired all completely all once they got uh, rid of Rothschild, uh, Larry Rothschild, they kind of brought in the whole new pitching staff, top to bottom, the whole organization. Everybody's learning the same thing. And it, and clearly it's paying off. I mean, the, the few guys that they've brought up, uh, for spot starts or to fill holes in the bullpen have been amazing thus far. I, I, I would say they, they've they've filled a nice job. Matt Blake's tremendous. Yeah, he's there, fantastic. Nothing else anybody can say. Matt Blake knows exactly what he's doing, and Jonathan Lewisaga is the one guy who's taken a step backwards, and that's yep. one player. One, uh, Wandy Peralta was another guy who had a larger role last season. Hasn't made much of an impact this year, but we really aren't using him. So if Johnny Lowe is the one guy on your entire rotation, how many other organizations out there in the big leagues can say one guy in our entire pitching staff, whether it's the starting rotation or the bullpen or the closer, one guy took a step back. There's not many organizations that can say that. So when you have a guy on your staff like that, you can maximize an off season where you don't necessarily make big splashes. Gary, this is the last question that I'm going to ask you regarding the New York Yankees. I know you grew up going to the old Yankee Stadium, watching your father play. They built the new Yankee Stadium in such a manner that it would be easy to hit lots of home runs. And it is no question that around the league, Mm -hmm. the short porch exists. And I want to know your true and honest opinion. Is it easier to be successful as a hitter in Yankee Stadium than any other team in the league? I would say as an an objective person, I'm not going to be biased here, not as a Yankees fan. 
I say this as someone who looks at the numbers. The numbers suggest it's not any easier to score runs at Yankee Stadium as opposed to any other ballpark in the league. Now, that that's just what the numbers say. But to answer your question more directly, for some hitters, it is. For some guys, if you predominantly pull the baseball as a left-handed batter, you pull the ball in the air, or if you're a DJ LeMahieu style guy, you hit the ball to right field often, you're going to have a better time at Yankee Stadium. You're going to find ways to exploit that field. And that's something that those guys have done. Guys like DJ LeMahieu over the past four seasons have exploited Yankee Stadium. But what you see is that like Fenway Park, where you look out in left field and say, well, it's a short wall out there. If I could put the ball in the air to left field, the pull side for right-handed hitters, the pull side for Trevor Story, who's doing a ton of damage, predominantly to left field, a lot of guys get in their head. They change their approach, and it really impacts the game. So, like, really, it's not making it any easier to score runs. And if I'm not mistaken, Fenway Park plays actually easier in terms of offenses being able to score runs. It's just a matter of all fields are different. And like me and Reed have always said, both teams are playing at the same yard. That's just – and whether or not it's golf, which I'm a huge fan of golf, people tell you, well, if we're going to play golf together, they don't look at, say, oh, is it a par 62 or is it a par 72? If both people are playing the same course, it's fair. And that's just my mentality on it. I guess my only argument to that point – and the, the the argument that I've made the entire time was the Yankees are playing a larger amount of games in this right. stadium than any other team in the league. And mm-hmm. you can make the, the argument, oh, Fenway, short left field, whatever. The Yankees still have probably three times as many, I don't know the exact numbers, three times as many games in that stadium as any other team in the league. Right. Maybe, maybe even more than that. And so that would be my only argument. I know every time a team walks in there, they have to, you know, you still have to hit it to right field. You still have to get the ball in the air to right field. In Stanton's case, it's just a line drive to right field. But that's beside the point. It's easier when you have a larger amount of games in that stadium, in my opinion. Well, I have a question for you. So if you're the Baltimore Orioles and you're playing and it's an absolute damn graveyard out to left field, is it or is it not an advantage for their pitching staff to pitch there? It 100% is. Right. So that's the thing about baseball is teams are going to build their roster around the field that they play at. Boston is going to look at it and say, we need to go find guys like Xander Bogarts, guys like Raphael Devers who hit the ball. JD the Martinez. Way. JD Martinez. We need more right-handed bats. And the New York Yankees are looking at it and saying, we need more Anthony Rizzo's. We need, we need to find more Joey Gallows. We need to build our roster around our dimensions. That's just the way it works. And if you play in Colorado where there's more space in the outfield, you need guys who can run in the outfield. That's just the way it is. You have more ground to cover, and it's an yep. advantage for you when you play at home. <clears throat> so do I think Yankee Stadium is an advantage to the Yankees? I do. I think it's a huge advantage. I think the short porch is a humongous advantage. But I also think Fenway Park's left field with Manny Ramirez back in 04 when my dad was playing, no one knew how to play the wall or hit the ball to the wall better than Manny Ramirez or David Ortiz going the other way, Pedroia pulling the ball. No one understood how to exploit Fenway Park better than those dudes. Nomar Garcia Parra. There's a ton of dudes I can name. And if they play there 81 games of the season, and they do that for six to eight seasons in a row, 
how could they not be more advanced in exploiting Fenway Park than, say, my dad, even a guy who's in division? So I totally agree with what you're saying about it being a a little league field and right field. But if it's such a little league field, then other organizations in division have to build their roster to exploit other fields that they do play at. I was going to bring up San Francisco last year. They have obviously one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks. Like right. To your point, they had uh, arguably one of the top three pitching staffs in the league last year. Gary, you can chime in on this, but they're pitching to their ballpark. You know, it, yep. they, there's – yeah, you, you, like you said, graveyard in Baltimore now in left in left field. Judge hit an absolute. If you watch the watch the ball get hit in that game, the game where he hit two homers, the first the first, his first at bat looked like it was going 460 feet to left field. Yeah, and it dropped right where they moved the wall back. So like <laughs> playing to your playing to the stadium. Is is to your point, Gary? Is is just part of it. You got to build your roster around it. San Francisco signed signed some good pitchers over the past couple of years. They had one of the best pitching staffs because they play in arguably the most pitcher friendly park in in the league. So I think it's it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to agree with Gary here, but I'm glad we cleared the air. Hey, I mean, you might be able to argue <clears throat> that right field might be a little bit of a joke, but left field's a joke in Fenway and. Some people can argue, well, you have to pitch to weather too. I mean, if you're pitching for the San Francisco Giants and you're playing in October, if you're a team that's more heavily, I mean, if you just build your rosters with pitchers, it's going to benefit you more than it would at Yankee Stadium. That's just the way that the game plays. It's Is it unfair? I don't say it's unfair because both teams have to play, but you have to be built for wherever you're playing. If you're not built there, then – like what you saw earlier this season where the Rangers manager was moaning and complaining. I was like, dude, to moan and complain after you just lost and then your own player hit a home run that was shorter than that. The inning prior to tie the game, it was just like next to zero awareness. It, you couldn't have any less awareness, in my opinion. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, Gary, do you follow the uh, the, the Twitter account? We're, we're all pretty active on Twitter here. The uh the the bad Blake, correct me if I'm wrong. The Ump Show. The Ump Show. Do you follow that Twitter account? I do. I tagged tagged Gary in a tweet today about a a hilariously low called strike for. I think it was a. I think it was a strikeout. It's it's one of of my favorite. One of our Blake. One of our favorite Twitter accounts to follow. Um, Gary, the umpires and baseball. It's. We talk about it at every night, on every night, all the time, every night. We're sending stuff back and forth <laughs> to each other. Uh, they're all they're, They've been all time bad. It seems like, I mean, it's just, a, it's been atrocious yeah. this season. Um, what, what are your thoughts on robo umps? I know they're getting implemented a little bit. I think in, in high a ball, um, they're kind of Testing. playing around with it. Uh, what are your thoughts on RoboOmps, and do you think we'll ever see them at the major league level? I think there's no question we see RoboOmps, but one thing I have to get out is that we need to perfect that first because I, I couldn't imagine a situation where we get to a World Series game or the ALCS, NL, NLDS, and somebody, they ruin a playoff series because a robot said something happened. And one thing that we have to understand is that these umpires are still amazing at their job. Nobody can do their job at this level. 
And I don't want to just eliminate mistakes because mistakes do happen. I'm not that mad about a bad call, but what bothers me personally is the bitterness from umpires that you guys both have noticed. I'm sure everybody has noticed. It seems personal at this point. Yeah. Everything's personal. Which was off Tori Lavallo the other day, like yesterday. Yeah. I saw that. Yep. It was as personal as it could possibly be. The dude is walking out to the, he's walking out to Zach Gallon. Never seen that before. He's pointing at him. Never seen that before. Yeah. I've never seen. When the catcher is stopping the ump from not charging the mound, but walking up to the mound. Seemingly. That's a, (laughs) we got a problem. The umpire knew it because once Tori Lovello came out and got ejected, which he essentially had to eject him based on how demonstrative he was being. So I understood the ejection. And he wanted to be ejected. But I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know it on your face. I made this game about me. And that's something umpires, referees in the NFL, you can't make the game about you. The worst product in NFL history ever was the replacement refs where all our focus was on them. And it wasn't their fault. It's too hard of a job for those guys. It was too difficult. But we only were paying attention to them. That's it. So once that happens, once the focus is no longer on the the guys out in the field or the batter who's up at the plate, you're wasting my time at a baseball field. I don't want to watch baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan. If I'm thinking about, well, who's behind the dish right now? Who's umpiring this game? He's making a mockery of this game. If I'm doing that, sports in general goes from being the greatest thing that life has to offer to just being middle of the road. We shouldn't have to care whether... Angel Hernandez is behind the plate or not. And How dare you say his name correctly, the way he umpires. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say it like that. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, Blake. I'm just saying, like, you said Angel Hernandez, and I'm like, who? Oh. I mean, While we're on the topic of umpires, I'm, I'm down here in South Florida. You don't give me a break. There's, I've learned that's how fair. to pronounce that's a fair. That's fair. Latin name. That's fair. There's been a lot of buzz around the mic'd up umpires, and I'm glad that you brought up the the umpires making it about them because that the the miking up only seems to amplify that and and make the umpires feel like oh this is you know this is my show that like we were referencing the ump show uh twitter account which is supposed to be a parody account but it's becoming an actual thing how do you feel about mic'd up umpires do you think we'll start to see more of it there's been a lot of buzz on social media about it because people like you know the mic'd up content but is that gonna is that gonna create even more unwatchable baseball in my opinion umpires are a little bitter about the transparency that's like now being pushed. And I don't think they like it at all. I don't think they like the replay system, any of that stuff, because it really just exposes your mistakes and nobody, and that this is not just umpires. Nobody likes to be told that they're not doing a good job. That's just the way life is. And what we have to recognize is that these guys are going to take stuff personally. That's said from both dugouts, whether a bad call is made, people are chirping and they're going to take it personally. And they're, from what I'm watching, they impact the calls on the field. That's something that can't happen. And the only way that you can, the only way you can get rid of that is by having a disciplinary system. And I know they say they rate umpires that whether or not they need to find umpires. I mean, the umpire that did what they did with Tori Lovello, you should be suspended. Unacceptable. But 
Unfortunately, the unions and the way that they're set up and how umpires are backed, like a lot of union workers, people can kind of just do whatever they want. They're unfireable and they know the replacement, the alternative to them is an umpire who like physically can't do the job as well. So I think the only solution right now is to just say, we need to get umpires robotic as fast as possible. It needs to be mastered. We have to get this correct. And baseball can't mess that up because the second robot umpires are not working correctly, which I've had numerous, numerous minor league guys tell me the robot umps suck. They are terrible. And there's nobody to argue to. We basically just turn around and go, well, that sucked. And then turn back around to the pitcher. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, there's I no really feedback. Do yeah. There's no nothing feedback. that you can say. And it impacts your stats and then it impacts your money. It, there's a lot on the line there. So you have to get that right. And yeah, I do like talking about the umpires, but the only way is to just extinguish their job altogether. Switching gears a little bit here. One of the biggest headlines over the entire baseball world over the last couple of days Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson, debacle. Tommy Pham slaps Jock Peterson during batting practice pregame over a joke that Jock made in a group message for a fantasy football league over nine months prior. What are your thoughts? The only thing that's ever offended me about fantasy football is the, some of the trades my friends offer me. It's just a joke. I mean, they'll be like, hey, man, for Josh Allen, who I drafted this year, I'll, I'll send you a my third receiver in a running back, my backup running back. Those I want to slap my friends for doing that. I really do. It's a shame. And he's untouchable. He's untouchable. Thank you. I was surprised that how many grown men, I mean, we now know two, two grown men who can get slapped and do nothing about it. I was surprised at that. And credit to Jock Peterson because Jock could have escalated the situation. I mean, Jock's a big boy. And not that Tommy Pham's a small guy, but when someone of that stature, I mean, you can do damage. And I know a lot of people think they can fight, but when someone's 6'4", 6'5", 235 pounds, weight does matter. That's why we have weight classes and Jock can do some damage. So yeah, I I was surprised by it. I am not, I mean, I shouldn't say I'm shocked because people do stupid stuff all the time. And that includes professional athletes. People act like just because you have a certain job, you're just not, people aren't going to make mistakes. I think that's a clear mistake. You're slapping someone over fantasy, fantasy football. I mean, it's just not even, and for them, money is like no object. So I didn't get it. I personally, I don't understand to worry about money. If you guys saw me, I mean, if I'd become some huge podcaster and I'm making millions of dollars, I promise you if we're in a fantasy football league, I'm not slapping anybody over money. Did you see the GIF? What was, oh, are you talking about the the Padres? That didn't, what was offensive about that? (laughs) I don't know how you, I don't know how you're not able to take a That's my question. You saw it though? I saw it. And not, what was wrong with that? And credit to you, Reed, for, for saying GIF. It is GIF. It is GIF. GIF. Yeah. And, but just like it's, just like it's on hell Hernandez. It it is on to me that you're absolutely correct. (laughs) Cause he had a lawsuit that they said they were racist for, for taking him off a world series game. Suddenly had all the hyphens on his name. I'm like, you've never had hyphens on your name ever. And, uh, but yeah. Um, what, what were we saying briefly? The, the GIF. GIF. The GIF. Yeah, no, I saw it. And I've never seen so many people that take jokes and don't get me wrong. If a joke is personal, like we're talking about someone's personal life, that's not out there for the public to see. I totally understand whether or not, cause I've been there. People have 
cross that line where they go personal. They go into your personal life, into your personal space, and you want to handle things in a physical way. I get that. I totally understand it. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, you should never go physical. But after breaking this down and seeing what the problem actually was, that's just light. That's light work. That's not a, that's not a real joke to get. You can maybe get upset, but hurt, whatever you want to call it. But to actually go put your hands on somebody over that was just a joke. Yeah. I was listening to Clay Travis's reaction today. He did a reaction clip on his Twitter from seeing this video and, and all the stuff that's ensued. And he made a reference that this is becoming the normal for this generation of young men. Like guys, like there is just this precedence that basically anything goes like you can go and slap a guy and there'd be no recourse for it. Like you can go assault a guy in batting practice before you're about to play a game and nothing happens. Yeah. He got sure. He got suspended three games, but there's a bigger umbrella over what's happening. Do you agree with that? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? There's, there's gotta be more recourse. I feel like for, for that kind of thing, not necessarily just for the people that are on the the national stage making national headlines. Now it's subjective of whether or not a joke is, if it, let's just say it's not personal, um, whether or not a joke is offensive. Now people have just decided they can take it in their own hands of how to determine, like how to go about handling that, whether it's cancel culture or putting your hands on somebody. But what's ironic is if somebody who is on the other side and, and I mean, it's just like, we can't, like, I can't handle things that way. Clay Travis can't handle something that way. It's really one side that can handle stuff this way. And, and we all understand that here, but if Clay Travis was, was told that he's something with Trump and, and whatever, and someone made a joke and Clay Travis decided that he saw that person on the street and put his hands on him, you'd have a lawsuit. You'd have people saying Clay was unhinged. That's the way that social media is today. One side can handle things however they see fit. The other side, they have to they have to turn the other cheek, take every joke possible. And but in my opinion, as long as a joke isn't just completely invading someone's personal life, everything goes. It doesn't matter. Someone gotta can send me. You gotta have joke. thick skin. It doesn't matter. Skin. I mean, I come from a Jewish family. I I all throughout elementary school, especially in high school, people were making Jewish jokes. Uh, whether or not it was with the Holocaust, whatever it was. And I just had, I just, at first I was like, well, this is weird to handle, you know, this is weird that someone's making jokes about something so terrible. But then I realized people are just trying to make people laugh. I don't care. Like realistically, how bad is, does the joke ever really affect your life? The answer is usually no. And if the joke doesn't actually bring someone up to the front of your house and change your family's lives or your money, Because unless someone's saying something that's going to affect my wallet, I couldn't give a rat's. I really, I don't care. And that's the way that discourse should be handled. And that's the way, you know, Tommy Pham should have handled this. If you don't like the joke, then, you know, call your mother. I I don't know what to tell you. Should be an adult about it. Yeah. That's a great all around answer. It's like a tough thing to do these days, right? Gary, a few more things before we get into um, a couple short snaps uh, to end the episode. You've been writing for OutKick for a while now. What are some of the best perks of that job? I know um, I read Joe Kinsey's stuff a lot. He's great. 
been following him for a long time. He's he's hilarious. The Thursday night mowing league, like the whole nine yards. It's great. What are some of the best uh, perks or best things you've enjoyed about working with OutKick and, and, and your job as a whole? I like them as people. I absolutely nothing. There's nothing. There's no perks. I don't like writing. Writing sucks. It, it just does. I don't like it. And it doesn't matter if I was writing for the Pope or, or you guys or whoever. You know, if you're writing more than two times a week, it sucks. So, I mean, I give everybody, you know, like the same answer. I mean, even people at my work, they're like, how is it? I'm like, sucks. Writing stinks. It's for nerds. None of them look You'd rather like talk. I want to just talk. And yeah. that's, you know, that's no... That's nothing to clown on the writing game because some people that's their niche and that's their way to communicate. That's not me. I'm not a love letter type person. I'm not a, I'm not a, let me put a thesis with prongs and a conclusion. It's going to bring it home. That's just not how I am. I, I really write the way I text and the way I tweet is just in like little short blogs, try to make people laugh. And that's really all there is to it. But Outkick does enable me to write what I want to write, which I'm thankful for. And it's really unlocked my personality and eventually it should help me in the podcasting game. I'm glad to chalk, uh, chalk one up for the uh, bad questions from <laughs> list. No, it was a great question. Cause I, I would honestly, I love to get it out there that writing is just not it. Just not. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because our next question is with your career trajectory, you've gained a lot of interest on social media. You're getting a lot of followers and people are listening to what you have to say. What's your next step? What do you want to do? Doesn't sound like you want to keep writing. You want to, you want to talk to people. You want to, you, you know, you have your, your podcast. What's, what's next for you? What are you looking forward to? Well, honestly, the next step was really just finding a professional athlete co-host and just shooting the breeze. I mean, that's really all podcasting is, is bringing your personality to life. If you got one, then you got it. Certain people are great at the job. I mean, look at JJ Reddick. I would have never assumed that JJ would have been as good as he is in the podcasting game on camera. I knew that he was going to be in TV, that he handled his interviews pretty well, but I didn't think it was going to be like this. And so when you have the right cast of characters, which I'm in the process of doing over the next couple months and I mean, if you can make a podcast work, you're living the life. I mean, it's better. It's even better than your guys' jobs as athletes. I mean, it's you know, there's no physicality to it. You can't really lose your job. It's it's a it's a good gig. So I mean, there's a reason that everyone's trying to do it, and that's why I'm doing it because I feel like I have a legitimate shot to do it. Um, I know you guys feel the same way. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, fair we, enough. We really do enjoy being on here and and talking to people and and hearing their stories and, and just getting insight into things that we don't know as much about. Obviously for you, it's knowing a ton about baseball and the Yankees. And we think that that's really cool. So um, thank you for coming on. We have a couple of short snaps to finish off the pod today. We always do short snaps with our guests. Uh, we've customized these more around you, changed them up a little bit from what we normally do. Reed has been to several, I don't know how many of the major league stadiums. How many are you, are you at? Um, current stadiums, I think I'm at uh, 14. 14 stadiums. Total, total 16. What is your favorite major league stadium to visit? And, why is, it Fen- and why is it Fenway Park? <laughs> Fenway's up there. The, the, this is the thing. Fenway Parks, it's a great, it's not just the park, the atmosphere. I think the people are super involved yeah, at Fenway Park, and that's what makes it. It's honestly a better place to watch a game in general. 
because of the atmosphere. People are actually excited to be there. They don't care. I'm not, I know they care about the Red Sox there, but it's people are excited to be with like-minded fans. And that's just yeah. the way Fenway is. It's the way Boston is in general. So I really like that. Fenway's up there. Talk about Petco. Petco is just beautiful. It's San Diego. And aside from all the homeless that are just bumming it on the street, San Diego is freaking beautiful. There's so much, like there's so much to do and Petco park, just the way it's laid out. It's super open out in center field. You can watch through the gates. My family lives in the building that's in like right field. So we can get on the roof and watch down at the stadium. And there's not many places you can do that. I know PNC is like that in Pittsburgh, but PNC is another yep. place is up there. But in PNC my opinion, is my favorite. It's yeah, a, PNC it's is the prettiest sick. park I've ever I've ever been to. I'm it's glad that you said I'm glad you said Petco because that was when Reed and I went with our we family both, back yep. in 2010. 2010. Mm-hmm. It was oh, wow. that was one of that's one of my favorite parks that I've been to. All right, least favorite major league stadium to visit. Where do you hate going? I would say I hate going to the Angels Park. I don't like the Angels Stadium. I don't know what it. Well, I guess I have a story from there. I'm. I had my dad's jersey on. It said Junior on the back. So I mean, it was a dead giveaway who I was. And someone threw a glass bottle and smoked me in the back of the head. Oh no! And way. yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, it, I was fine. So I mean, I had a ton of hair just like I do now. So I was cool. But just in general, I didn't like the park. Yeah, I didn't. Bad memory though. Yeah, tough memory. And, and I don't want to just label the whole park as that because it, you know it's just one bozo. But at the same time, it's just part of my personal experience there. And I'd hope, hopefully I give them another chance, but I guess the only reason I go to Anaheim is to go to Disneyland. Biggest trade deadline name that we'll see. I think that's Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi is a dude who really found a stick. I mean, the dude couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat in Boston towards the back half there. And that's all confidence, dude. I mean, you guys know it as athletes. I played baseball, dude. Sometimes you're playing baseball and you just can't do anything right. You hit one ball hard, it goes right at somebody or it goes right into a shift. You're making errors. You're making mental mistakes. Everything's physical. Everything's mental. You can't do anything. And now he's really reset his market. And the Yankees with two, like I said, black holes. Those Gallo and Hicks are just not big leaguers right now. They're not. And if you can replace it with a dude who's found it, like Andrew Benintendi, we're winning a damn World Series. Best pizza spot in New York City. No clue. Going to New York June 25th, though. I actually have no idea. I haven't, I haven't been to New York in like five or six years, and I've never really toured around. I really just know the steakhouses because I was like a guest. Like I just rolled around with my dad. So yeah, not, what, don't really know. You'll have to so, report back on the steakhouse. Pizza. Favorite steakhouse is Peter Luger. Okay. All cash. I think it's in Brooklyn and it's super cool. I mean, All I sat down in my steakhouse. seat and they were like, yeah, they pulled up. They go, Hey, we got to show you something cool. And they refurbish all their chairs and they showed me a picture of like Frank Sinatra, Babe Ruth sitting in my chair. It was pretty cool. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, World Series prediction. I know we're a month and maybe two months in. Mm -hmm. What's your World Series prediction as of right now? I'm going to go, I'm going to go Yankees, which is just going to be a waste. I already know that's not going to work out, but uh, I do it every year. And, they start hot and they fall flat and right. disappoint. Yeah, and I like Milwaukee. 
I like the way they're built. Ooh, Last year they had a bad crushing it right now. Yeah, they're crushing it, but the way that they're built, they just called up their top pitching prospect. And you know, they have a young left-hander who can make an impact, but they have a one-two punch. I know they're not healthy right now, but Christian Yelich is more Christian Yelich and they're scoring runs. If Milwaukee's scoring runs and you have a one-two punch the way the Mets have in the NO, like there's no real reason that I'd really say the Brewers and the Mets are like the two teams I'd pick, but Milwaukee's younger. So I'm going to go with them. Um, favorite moment from watching senior play. Oh man. Favorite moment. I got two. One is all like really his fights. Anytime he got in a fight, I loved it. Couldn't wait to talk to him after the game, especially Which when one he was sticks at, out. the one in Boston where he went yeah. down in right field and the fan threw a beer on him. And that doesn't happen very often in professional sports. That was pretty cool. And it happens more in the NFL when people do jump in the crowd, but not in baseball. So when that happened in a baseball game, that was a cool memory. And his 500th home run. When he hit his 500th home run, just the pure joy that he had, because I know he'd been playing baseball for about 35 years, ever since Little League, he'd been playing. And I know how hard he's worked to be there. And people don't understand that you don't just have to be good you have to be healthy and they're almost, it's like a, that split second, you just get to embrace and enjoy it all at once. Just your ability to stay on the field and just everything. So it, it was really cool. I think his 500th home run is my favorite memory personally. I'm going to dish cool. this last, I'm going to dish this last short snap off to read because he's got the story behind it. This has been a mainstay. I think we have literally asked every guest, that we've had on the podcast, I guess, since last season, because that's when it happened. So week six, I want to say last year, maybe week week six or seven. It was we pretty really early in check season. Because we, we don't know. We've I know. Really it was week five, that. six, seven. It was like early in season. Week five, I think, maybe. Who knows? We played uh, in Kansas City, Sunday night football. It was halftime. We had a rain delay, extended it probably 20, 25 minutes. So a bunch, a group of us were chilling in the in the hallway going out to the field and we were eating some peanut butter and jellies. I made a comment just talking to the guys out loud. That was like, man, this peanut butter, something along the lines of, man, this, this sandwich is, is real peanut buttery. Like it's got too much peanut butter on it. Okay. And of course, Michelle Tafoya happens to be standing there off to the side and, and over here. So we get into a little conversation about, the peanut butter ratio on the sandwiches not being ideal uh, for our liking. Okay. What is your, when, when you make a PB and J sandwich, I'm really hoping that you're not about to tell me you're allergic to peanut butter. I'm not. I like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Because <laughs> that's my last question. As, as your questions have gone so tonight, that, that is a high likelihood. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was rushed to the hospital last week. Yeah. <laughs> No. What is your PB&J ratio? What's the ideal? When you're making your sandwich, what is your ideal peanut butter to jelly ratio? I would say it's about 30% peanut butter and 70% jelly. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is the no high, way. That is by That's far the highest. The highest That's that the highest. Seen. You want me to tell you what it is? I think Josh Allen said 60-40 jelly last week. Yes. Okay. So he's close, but there's not many jelly, jelly dominance. 
I'm going to tell you why. It's just, it's so dry to me. Peanut butter tastes amazing. I love the taste of peanut butter. There's, I have nothing wrong with peanut butter. Like I can eat it straight out the jar. It's just the, the amount of peanut butter. It's the same with Reese's. If I get the big Reese's, there's too much peanut butter. There's too much chewing. But once I get the the little minis, they're like hard, like a cracker. That's what I need. And when I get a peanut butter and jelly, I'm not just going to be chewing. Like I'm chewing a tire. I don't want to chew a Goodyear tire. I need something that's like, wow, it's easier to swallow. And to me, that jelly helps me swallow. Like Reed, it really just does. Reed, we're that's going great. in the wrong direction that's here. That's great. We need to we, clip. We need to clip that. We've that's seen a good. we've seen a massive shift in. Yes, we have peanut butter to jelly, mostly because we've seen we saw we we interviewed a lot of long snappers very early on, and most all of them said somewhere in the between like fifty and seventy percent peanut butter. Yep, and. As of recently, we've kind of strayed from the long snappers. We've, you know, had several other guests on from other fields. We're seeing more jelly. So it's an interesting, interesting little shift that we've seen. I have a hypothesis, though. I think that bigger guys like more peanut butter because of the protein. And it, it was like a big substitute. I know when I was in college, they were like, you guys got to eat something. You got to eat something. And you're not putting any protein in your body by just stuffing yourself with jelly. So as an athlete, it True. probably makes the most sense that peanut yeah. butter. It really Reed does. Used to carry, Reed used to carry around like four of them in high school when he was trying to gain weight. He was playing offensive line, yeah, and he was True. he was crushing the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. True. True. People True. don't realize how like unnatural those offensive line bodies are. Yeah, they have to build that body. It's not like they're acting like they just find huge guys. I'm like, dude, when those offensive linemen retire, yep, you see, it, every, you see it all the time. Yeah, they look like. I mean, it's like Andrew Luck. They just thin out and they look totally different, like completely. Yeah, it's funny. The little guys in the league blow up when they stop playing because they stop yeah. running around as much. And then the big guys, they all shed all their weight because they lose. They, they're not eating as much. They don't have to be as heavy. So yeah, an interesting little dynamic. But Gary, thank you for joining us this week. We are pumped. I know that our listeners are going to uh, or will have really enjoyed this once they're once they're done listening. Uh, if you want to follow Gary on social media at Gary Sheffield Jr. Twitter, Instagram, go listen to Chef Talk on uh, Apple Podcasts and on YouTube, and go check him out on Outkick.com as well as FoxBusiness.com. Did I miss anything? No, that's the only thing awesome. that's going on in my life. That's about it. <laughs> Gary, thanks for joining us, man. This has been a blast. Of Thank course, you, man. Dude. Thank you, guys. So, Reed, I really enjoyed that. I know I don't know a whole lot about the Yankees, and a lot of our listeners might not either. But I think hearing the insight that he had into the robo-umps potentially coming in the MLB was really interesting because I actually didn't know how far along they actually were. It's a touchy topic, clearly, because he, you know, he's – like he said, he played in college. He obviously has a, a very, probably a very uh, wide network in the baseball community. He mentioned he knew a few minor leaguers that had that have experience with the Robo Umps. So far, I think they're in high A, uh, high A ball right now. And he said they hate him because they're looking for somebody to argue with, and there's nobody standing back there. Um, so I think it's it's going to be. I mean, it's like everything; it's a work in progress. The 
you know, MLB, as much as we get on Rob Manfred for the stuff that he screws up, they MLB has done a great job recently of the in of the you know in the marketing side of things, growing the game, getting more younger fans in it, making baseball fun again from from the fans' perspective. Like they do do some things right, yep. they do do some things wrong. Can't argue that, but they do do some things right. And I think for as I mean, this is a what other sport. What other major sport can this change from the change from can, can the change from human umps to robo umps be comparable to? I can't think of one. There's not. I mean, the only thing that I could think of that would even be close would be VAR in soccer because there's like this overwatch of video replay that's happening while the game is continuing to be played. But that's even then. That's still not even close to a, I mean, to a the, robot. That's right. Statistically, supposed to be a hundred percent. The first thing that came to my mind when I thought about that, the robo umps was like, I mean, being comparable to another sport would be adding the three point line in basketball, right? Like that's a colossal change to yeah. the to the sport itself, yeah. right? So, like, I mean, it's. It's going to change the game, hopefully for good, because the uh, the umps this year, obviously we talked, we hit on it in the interview. They've been atrocious. Yeah, go follow the ump job or the ump show on Twitter at the ump show. The ump show is it? Uh, we'll, we'll tweet the that show? out. We'll 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 post. Uh, we'll repost some of their stuff on on the podcast page. But yeah, at ump, that, at ump job, it's uh, welcome to the ump show. Okay, that's what I thought. The three adding the three point line, I guess VAR two makes some sense also. That, but as as far as colossal changes to yeah. to major American sports, like it doesn't get much bigger than this, I don't think. Yeah. So, like that's what I'm saying. They're they're gonna they're they have to do their due diligence on every single aspect. As you know, I say market research, but the market research is is getting it played up through the minors getting it in spring training before you actually put it in for an opening day at the major league level big time big time yep we want to thank everybody for last week's episode it was our biggest episode that we've ever had youtube numbers were unbelievable download numbers on spotify apple Everywhere that you can basically listen to our content, watch our content, you guys blew it up. So we cannot thank y'all enough. As always, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at After the Snap Pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We had a TikTok blow up. Yes, we did. We're rolling on the TikTok. So yes, we did. Uh, go follow us on social media. Go subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you want to see our beautiful faces or listen to our voices you will find us this has been after the snap tales from two brothers who live life upside down